A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, regular viewers will know that I've done the Tom Jones joke to death by now, but still, it's not unusual for a television episode to go through some major changes between conception and broadcast. Thus, for Star Trek, a show where the bounds of possibility were not regulated by either space, time, or common sense, the writer's room has had all sorts of nonsense flowing through it over the years. My name is Adam Cleary, and these are 10 iconic Star Trek The Next Generation episodes that were almost completely different. Number 10, Encounter at Farpoint. Given that it's the only time where absolutely nothing is technically off the table, it's almost cheating to include the pilot of a show in an article about dramatic episode changes. But nevertheless, the original treatment for Encounter at Farpoint, or Meeting at Farpoint as it was called originally, is so wildly divergent from what audiences ended up seeing that it's still worthy of inclusion. The rough synopsis is as follows. The Enterprise D has just successfully completed a routine mission and heads to Farpoint Station for a change in crew. Captain Julian Picard its commanding officer is saying goodbye to his first officer, Kyle Summers, who has been promoted to a captain himself to take command of the USS Starseeker. While Security Chief Lieutenant Masha Hernandez is staying on board, they are being joined by a host of new recruits, including Lieutenant Commander William Riker, his best friend Lieutenant Commander Data, Dr. Beverly Crusher, and her daughter Lillian. As they prepare to leave orbit, an Anoa'i ship appears and destroys the Starseeker. The Enterprise manages to avoid annihilation by beaming down to the planet surface, but is captured by the highly advanced ape-like Anoa'i who enslave them and force them to mine the planet for its unique mineral ore. An adventure of sorts ensues and the crew is finally freed by Counselor Troy, who discovers that their captor ship is in fact a life form who feeds on the planet's ore to survive. Also, Troy has four boobs. Number 9. Conspiracy Despite having the seeds planted for this story earlier in Season 1, Picard warned about an insidious plot at the heart of the Federation in the episode Coming of Age, Conspiracy was actually dramatically rewritten before Paramount would sign off on the script. Stop me when you've heard this one before. Rather than the six-legged Cronenbergian nightmares scuttling into the mouths of brainwashed officers, the actual villains of the piece were a rogue cabal of high-ranking Starfleet officers. Despite having spotless service records and decades of heroism between them, they viewed Federation policy as too weak to survive the oncoming problems the galaxy faced and were going to do something about it. By staging a fake threat to the security of Earth, they planned to use special powers granted in its defense to overthrow the Federation's leaders and appoint Starfleet as its de facto military rulers. However, Captain Picard, initially involved because the conspirators believed he would be sympathetic to their cause, uncovers the truth and foils their plans. The story was scrapped after Gene Roddenberry refused to approve a story that cast the Federation in such a light 
and in the end, the parasite alien angle was written instead. However, the concept lived on long enough for it to eventually find new life as the Deep Space Nine two-parter Homefront and Paradise Lost. See, that's where you've heard that before. Number 8. The Neutral Zone Less of a dramatic rewrite owing to creative differences or studio interference this one, and more just a product of the 1988 Writers Guild of America strike. You see, I'm not sure how obvious this premise is to all of you, but if you don't have any writers, then amongst other things, you you can't do any writing. You see how that works? A shame though in this specific example, because The Next Generation was winding up for arguably its most important episode yet, but had to pull the plug on production about halfway through. By the time they picked it up again, they pretty much had to just cobble something together from what they already had, despite the fact the entire second half of the episode, and the dramatic plot twist that it was all built around, didn't actually exist. That plot twist? A Federation Romulan team-up storyline that would see the old adversaries put aside their differences to defend the neutral zone from a terrifying new alien race, the Borg. In the end, there simply wasn't enough time to set any of that up, and the episode instead just ends with absolutely not Goldacatia rocking up to say, oh, well, yeah, all of our outposts got destroyed as well, so see you around, I guess. Number 7. The Best of Both Worlds While the development of the Borg storyline did have to take several detours along the way, Paramount knew that they wanted to end Season 3 with an almighty cliffhanger. They wanted planet Earth itself hanging in the balance, but how they did that was the source of some debate. Initially, the show's writers had resisted the suggestion that the Borg needed a Queen Bee character. They felt that subverting the usual trope of singular primary antagonists was the true appeal of them as a race, and that by giving them an appointed mouthpiece, a lot of that menace would be lost. Regardless, though, the Season 3 ender was going to require some back and forth between the crew of the Enterprise and the enemy vessel, so a compromise was proposed. Given their raison d'etre of combining the organic with the artificial, the initial treatment for the episode had the collective abducting both Picard and Data before successfully merging them into a single life form. A super Borg that had the experience and humanity of Picard with the incredible strength and computing power of Data. The idea was tossed around for several rewrites until nobody in production could devise a single logical reason why the Borg would actually go to all this trouble when they could just kidnap Picard and use him as a regular drone. Number 6. Time's Arrow It won't shock any of you that when coming up with your season-ending time travel cliffhanger episode, a lot of ideas get passed around the writer's room. In fact, Time's Arrow enjoyed a relatively short production window because the idea to make it a two-part bridge between seasons five and six was made relatively late on. A response of sorts to the continuing rumours that the show was set to end following the launch of Deep Space Nine. The writers wanted something that simultaneously cemented the idea that the show would definitely be returning, but also a setting whereby the threat of everything being over was still quite real. Inevitably, time travel was settled upon, but the precise point in history it would involve was tossed around for weeks. At one point, and how serious this idea was varies depending on whose account of it you read, Data was going to be involved in the Kennedy assassination. Naturally, this was dropped because it's incredibly lame. Other suggested points in time were the 1930s, the 1960s, and 1990s, with the latter being dismissed because it had just been done in the voyage home. In the end, they went for Mark Twain, and the rest is... well, you get the joke. Number 5. Chain of Command 
The main difference between the chain of command that was written and the chain of command that we got relates to the episode's length. First drafts were given the green light as just a single installment, with no new captain subplot and Picard swiftly rescued at the end of the hour. But in a theme that's going to become more apparent as this video goes on, the central focus of the episode essentially being a two-person play between Patrick Stewart and David Warner proved to be incredibly cost-effective, and thus got extended over two episodes. Spoiler alert, by the end of this video you're going to think we should definitely do 10 amazing Star Trek episodes only written to save money, and well, we probably will. However, the biggest thematic change to the episode occurs when Picard, Crusher and Worf pay a short visit to Tormund 5 in order to secure passage to their destination from a one Daemon Solok. Originally, this scene was supposed to be a short visit to Deep Space Nine in order to secure passage to their destination from a one Quark. However, despite it being filmed well after the pilot of Deep Space Nine, logistical rearrangements meant that it would air several weeks before Emissary, and Paramount didn't like the idea of effectively introducing their shiny new show in a throwaway scene for the next generation. Time being short, DS9's Replomat set was simply reshot from angles that disguised it, and Armin Shimmerman was replaced by Lou Wagner. That footage is out there, though, somewhere in a bin. Number four, The Offspring. Alright, so no, this one isn't completely different. But in the process of researching some 178 episodes to find ones that were, you're welcome, I'm allowing myself this little palate cleanser because reading about it did amuse me greatly. Season 3's The Offspring, originally written as a budget-saving mid-season filler piece that wouldn't require any expensive locations, shots, or props, was always intended to be a story about Data facing the love and loss of parenthood. It always included lol, and it always featured data as her father, but a core component that was altered during production was the identity of her mother. Originally, she was going to be the accidental offspring of Data and the ship's computer. Quite how that was going to happen never made it to the page. I presume they f- But the key premise of the episode was that it was going to be a family comedy where Data and Majel Barrett's automated voice would repeatedly disagree and argue over the correct way to raise their child. On the one hand, you can see why they scrapped that, but on on the other, no, I can't. I would have watched the hell out of that. Number three, Yesterday's Enterprise. Now, you're right, it is hard to imagine an hour of television as perfectly produced as Yesterday's Enterprise ever being radically different, but, well, we are, what, seven entries into this now? I presume you get the premise. Interestingly, though, despite feeling a million miles away from the version we eventually got, the initial idea for this episode was always about finding a way to bring Denise Crosby back for a guest appearance. Producer Eric Stilwell bumping into her at a convention and discovering she was more than enthusiastic about the idea. Calling back to the classic original series episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, a Vulcan science team would accidentally change the course of galactic history when, while using the Guardian of Forever, they caused the death of Surek, the father of all modern Vulcan philosophy. As a result, the Vulcans would never discover logic and instead become a warlike race that swept through the galaxy as would-be conquerors of other races they viewed as less enlightened. Spock's father, Sarek, being the only person somehow unaffected by the changes, would contact the Enterprise, with Starfleet themselves now in the final months of a losing war with the Vulcans, and appeal to Picard to help him restore the timeline. He, along with the restored Tasha Yar, would journey to the ancient past and effectively act as a stand-in for Surek himself, all while the Enterprise valiantly held off the Vulcan forces to buy them the time to do so. Rewrites saw the Vulcans replaced with the Klingons, Sarek's role rewritten for Guinan, and Tasha Yar even at one stage taking command of the Enterprise C as a historical stand-in for Captain Garrett. But in the end, the version they settled on was damn near perfect. 
Number two, tapestry. I'm just, I'm going to lay this one out in one sentence for you, okay? Tapestry was originally pitched as Star Trek's version of a Christmas carol. Yes, you heard me, Charles Dickens' immortal 1843 novella, later perfected by the Muppets, of course, that tells the tale of a crotchety, twisted old miser who was visited by the ghost of his former business partner and the spirits of Christmas past, present and yet to come, who all transform him into a kinder, gentler man. Picard was Scrooge, Q was Marley, and they would revisit Jean-Luc's childhood the moment he took command of the Stargazer and the death of Jack Crusher. Before we go any further, if the producers of Star Trek Picard are watching this and we know you sometimes do please make this the entire premise of season two and i will forgive everything about the ending of et in arcadia ego sadly they hit a brick wall with this idea when nobody could conceive a sufficient motivation for q randomly showing picard moments in his life eventually the notion of jean-luc dying a death that would have been preventable if he'd lived a different life came up and the script slowly began morphing from there the end result isn't a million miles away from michael kane asking this rabbit what day it is but nonetheless my soul all physically aches that they didn't go down this route. Number one, the first duty. We end now with a contribution from none other than Ronald D. Moore himself, whose originally envisaged ending to the first duty or the That's Not Tom Paris Honest episode would have made it a completely different story. Granted, we're not talking completely different in the same way Picard having Christmas dinner with Kermit Bob Cratchit is completely different, but I do take his point. In the aired version of events, Wesley steps forward even though the Court of Inquiry is about to let them all off the hook. In so doing, Wes commits an act of moral courage by standing up for the truth and being punished when to remain silent would have allowed him to go scot-free. Now, let's assume the circumstances had been constructed so that the Nova Squadron was going to be kicked out of the Academy by the court if they kept silent about what really happened. Say that the team had made a decision not to finger the one among them who came up with the idea on the whole we-all-hang-together philosophy. In that scenario, Wesley coming forward to tell the truth is suddenly an act of moral cowardice because it appears that he's only trying to save his own skin at the expense of one of his teammates. If that had been the story, then Picard's impassioned speech to Wesley about the morality of coming forward to tell the truth is suddenly a scene where the captain tries to convince a young man not to throw away his own career in order to protect one of his friends. In the end, Locarno, the true culprit, comes forward on his own in order to save the rest of the team. As you can see, it's a very different tale even though the essential plot is relatively unchanged. And you know what, everyone? He isn't wrong. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.